This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Glad to be back here. Excited to be back in the studio and excited to have probably our most returned guest back with us. Yes, Matt Leibowitz, founder and CEO of Stake, a platform that gives access to the US stock market, is joining us in the studio. Cheers, guys. Good to see you in person. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To Ren's point, this is probably the, I don't know, 10th time on the show. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and you still keep coming back. <laughs> I'm a sucker for punishment. <laughs> so we've got Matt on today to take our attention over to the US market. Firstly, we'll jump into all things COVID. We haven't sort of chatted to you about, mm. about what's been going on for you during that period of time. And then have a look at some of the hot stocks that have been trading by Australians over in the US, as well as some of the cool and crazy stories that we're seeing in terms of day trading and Hertz and all sorts of things. So much, so much going on. There's a lot to report. And then we'll close out with a couple of new interesting listings that have come on to the platform and also an interesting ETF that I've just noticed that's worth calling out. So There you go. Stay tuned and watch that space. Yeah. We don't usually do cliffhangers. <laughs> no, but, uh... no. <laughs> Let's start with steak and then we'll get into it, you know, everything that's going on in the US more broadly. So it's been a couple of months since we last yeah. spoke to you and, you know, obviously every man and his dog now is an investor. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's had a lot of time while they're locked away at home to think about making some more money. So how's it been at stake? What's the last couple of months been like? Yeah, very busy. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a period like this in terms of stake. You know, we've been around for around three years now and this is just, it's pretty insane actually. The level of participation in the market is probably higher than it's ever been. You know, you don't need a you know, you could read the newspapers or, you know, just jump online. You can, there's always an article about the stock market. So obviously in terms of engagement with the market and with stake, you know, we're a beneficiary of that. But it's, you know, it's, for us, it's, you know, we always want people to participate in the share market and give them an ability to, to get what they can out of the market. So we're excited by that. You know, it helps us with our mission to go and deliver to the world. But yeah, it's kept our team busy. And, you know, a lot of businesses out there are really suffering. So we've got to be cognizant of that. But there are some other stories. And, you know, we're lucky enough to be one of those. But also we're Keep in mind the fact that there's others out there that haven't been as lucky. Now, Matt, you were a partner at Optiva? I right? was, I was. Which is a high-frequency trading... My wife keeps reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> After leaving. <laughs> high-frequency trading firm over in the States. So I'm interested to know what it would have been like on the floor in the rooms at the time when COVID really kicked off and the market essentially went into the fastest drop that we've ever seen in history. Mm-hmm. What what happens in a high-frequency trading floor like that during that time? It's all just computers, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like one man looking over yeah. a server. And, <laughs> no, it's... I mean, I've seen some stuff before that I would actually say is probably more phenomenal than what I've seen now. Um, in 2010, it was, there was pretty much a flash crash where the market just disappeared. And that was the fastest one-day thing I've ever seen. 
there was rumblings that this was happening towards the end of the year. I don't know if you guys can recall, but in December there was talk about what's happening in Wuhan and then in January and then it really only hit the markets mm. February. Mm. So if you were in China or you had access to the Chinese market or you were just – you probably could see something happening and then it hit Italy and then it really just roiled the Wait markets. Yeah. Um, from a trading point of view, it doesn't really come as a major shock when it actually happens because you're seeing so much stuff happen in the market that there's always – little bits that are phenomenal like why did that trade go through that's a really big downside trade like when someone puts for the market to fall and you start to see things that a retail investor wouldn't see Mm. but then when the market really does go it's like whoa what's going on here like everyone buckle in in front of your screens no one's allowed out in terms of like you know you're not allowed out like a lockdown but (laughs) you're not allowed to take your eyes off the screen and you you know the whole role of a market maker is to provide liquidity to the market and and their role is really important in times like this so people can manage their risk so if you're you know, mum and dad investor, you can get out or get into a position. Or if you're an institution where you need to do something like, you know, you need to have someone on the other side of the role of the market maker. This is where you actually provided your role to the marketplace. So in a way, it was your time to shine as a, you know, as a participant in the market. So it's exciting for one, from some respects, but you're also realising it's not really reality. You know, you're sitting behind a computer screen and lots of things are moving up and down, but that's a byproduct of what's actually happening in the real world. So there was always a bit of a gap between what was happening and and what was happening in front of you. So then taking that, knowing that you've got all that information in front of you and whiz computers and you're seeing more than the average retail investor and then putting yourself in the position that you would have been in now here in Australia, yeah. more of a retail investor, how did you personally approach the COVID crash? We did a Stocks in Socks session with you guys yeah, yep. to chat about yeah. it. So head to YouTube if you want to check it out. But yeah, how did you kind of approach it? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty lucky because I thought things were a little bit frothy before. I think we met at the beginning of the year and or back in this studio and I said I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to get a bit off the table. I took a little bit down with me. And then I actually got, sh- when it rallied the first time afterwards, I'm like, this just isn't real. So I got a little bit short, but that's, I got out of that pretty quick. So I actually rode a few shorts up, which wasn't ideal, but some of the longs I had covered it. So I actually was personally okay. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, <laughs> but when I think about it, they've just lowered rates so quickly. Where else are people putting their cash? Yeah, Tina. Yeah. And I've got, a, I've got a few, like I speculate on why it is and it's, you know, you look at the indices and they've changed a lot. You know, the digital companies are now the biggest weighted stocks in the indices and they're the ones that have been recipients of this crisis, there's been a you know digital you know, adoption has been like out of control, and you know there's the death of paper money. So I don't know. It sort of does make sense. At the same time, it doesn't make sense. So sometimes it's better to sit on the sidelines and just shake your head. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> sort of been my uh, my approach as this thing kept running up. I just I don't understand it. I mean, like I understand in countries where we've got it under control, but you know we always say the stock market isn't the economy, but that has never been more clear to me when. The US is still shut down. You know, they've <laughs> yeah. still got like 25,000 cases of coronavirus a day. Yeah. And their stock market is, the Nasdaq's like up 13% for the year or something stupid. No, no, yeah. it is insane. I mean, there's always opportunities. You know, you look at Peloton and it made perfect sense. Right, you look yeah. at Netflix. What's, Pel- what's Peloton just for new listeners? Peloton is a US, well, it's really a, a cycle slash software company that puts in-home bikes. Mm. Like it provides <laughs> bikes for your home and then you plug it in in the morning and you go do a cycle in your living room. My sister bought one in London. Um, it's like RPM from home. It's an exercise bike masquerading as a tech company. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you think about it, it's got like tremendous brand value right now. You know, you get sent photos of people on them, you know, like they share it, there's a community. So that made sense, that playhouse, one thing I was watching pretty closely. And then PayPal, if you think about what's happened, I think I... um. 
I think I paid a mate in cash the other day and I'm like, you're going to have to hold on to this for 20 years. Like, so like companies like PayPal went all-time high. Mm. Um, you saw it in Australia with Afterpay. Oh. Really <laughs> just, yeah, really just, you know, there are certain, you know, stocks and securities that are just massive beneficiaries, whereas mm. others, obviously travel companies and, you know, shipping companies and whatever, uh, really suffered. So that's the way it goes. Peloton up 159% since the bottom, which was for them the 13th of March. So pretty decent. But I mean, it's no, it's no afterpay, <laughs> let that be known. Those, yeah. those, numbers, those numbers are just becoming less and less meaningful, Mean, though. Yeah. Like, I was looking at a stock and it was up 40% from the March 23 bottom. And I was like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's child's a, play. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's shit. That's <laughs> lagging. You know what's giving me? It might be having less meaning, but it doesn't help my feeling when I look at them and just I go, know, God I damn, know. I missed it all. <laughs> they all did it, but it's real money if you're yeah, in any of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We want to get into some individual stocks because the headlines have been filled with some American stocks that have done very well and some American stocks that have done not so well. Mm -hmm. But before we do, sticking with the you know broader markets and macro themes, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this whole infinite support from the Fed, mm. unlimited printing of money. Last week, the Fed also announced that they would not just buy you know US government bonds or bond ETFs, but they would go and buy individual corporate bonds. Their balance sheets at what, like seven point one, seven point two trillion, which is just an absurd amount of money. What do you think about that? And I guess the second question is: Is the size of the recovery we've seen in the U.S. mainly because of the Fed? I can answer the first bit. I can't answer the second without you know speculating. Yeah, well, I feel like no one can at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you know rates have gone. They were sort of, I think they're down one and a half percent. You know, since maybe six months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that really push rates down through this program. They're nearly the biggest owner of the equities market in a, in a sense. And it, it really just, you're in an election year as well. So mm. there's, you know, differing incentives. I mean, like you can get all conspiracy theory, but ultimately there's just so much money being pumped into the system, whether it be if you're a Netflix where you've got a model that makes money, you're borrowing at zero. Mm. Like your cost of capital is zero and you can turn it into cash. So those sort of cash generating businesses that can turn a X into X plus something, they're going to see accretive growth. Mm. Um, so that's playing on the system. There's been the Bernanke put, there's been the Greenspan put, and now there's the Powell put. And, and people just jump in. They just know that the government's here to save you. Like they've crossed the Rubicon, you yeah. know, in a way. They've just, they're just saying we're here to help you. Yeah. I just don't know when it, you know, what happens when it gets unwound or does it, you know, this, this does happened. It not? Yeah. I don't know. This happened this in 97 with the Asian crisis. I think Singapore or even Hong Kong bought a lot of securities during the currency crisis of the mid to late 90s. So, Well, look at Japan as well. Yeah. The government owns, what, 90-something percent? No, I think 70%. 70% of, yeah, yeah. of the market, ETF yeah. market, yeah. which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, no, an unwind is going to be very interesting. The question is, will they wait until there's confidence and then slowly leak or it can out? can they? The story of Boeing, I think, is really instructive of just how powerful the, even just from a psychological point of view, the Fed was they went to the government asking for a bailout because, you know, Boeing had a terrible 2019 and then coronavirus happened and no one was flying. And then a couple of weeks later, they withdrew their request for a bailout, not because the Fed had given them any money, but just the Fed had promised infinite yeah. support and it gave the market so much confidence <laughs> that they could just raise capital in, in the bond market. Yeah. It's nuts. Before we jump to stocks, Ren, I think while we're talking about big themes, we should address what 
is going on with retail trading over in the States and Robin Hood. Yes. There's been a lot of chit chat and Matt being the... Matt, as the, as the man that brought <laughs> commission-free <laughs> trading to Australia, <laughs> can talk about uh, one of his peers over in the yeah. US and whatever they're doing to the market yeah. over there. <laughs> well, I don't think it's fair that Robin Hood gets targeted. I'll be perfectly yeah, frank. Um, I'll go in to defend my fellow brothers, brothers out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, retail, it's, a, you know, it's, it's so easy to write a story about retail investors and day traders. It's just like, you know, you're not going to read a story about, you know, guy goes and buys or, you know, 35-year-old, you know, mother of two goes and buys Berkshire Hathaway Class B. It's just not, not a story. Bryce has been pitching that as an episode <laughs> idea for the last year. <laughs> it's got legs. <laughs> so what you're hearing is a small, you know, subset of what's really happening. Mm. You know, and we see it on stake. You know, there are people that have different trading strategies and you, you can't judge how someone wants to invest their money. It's their money and I think that's really important. But retail investing is, you know, people are at home. There's digital adoption, obviously, as we've spoken about. And people have been waiting for an opportunity to get into the market. You know, a lot of people we speak to, it's like, it was too high, it was an opportunity to get in. And, you know, the old adage, when be greedy, when others are fearful, that kicks in. So, look, it's just an opportunity for people to participate. And, you know, in a sense, that's, that's a good thing. I agree. I'm somewhat torn about how they're thinking about it, though. I'm interested to know what you think about Dave Portnoy, um, <laughs> who, for those listening to the show who are unaware, he is the media guy who owns Barstool Sports or, or did own. Yeah, it started about Barstool. Yeah, and uh, during this coronavirus period, he decided to start day trading by putting $3 million into into his day trading account and he would live stream himself on Twitter talking about stocks and doing trades. I think somewhat it's like gamified the idea of day trading yeah. in some ways got a big following. I'm interested to think, understand what you guys sort of think about this approach and how he's talking about it. Would you get upset if someone live streamed the exercise routine in the morning? What well, Bryce does that on <laughs> yeah. his Instagram live. I can see it. You're looking very well. well thank you. <laughs> Mate, you, you're the one with the guns out in the yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so hot in here right now. <laughs> yeah, but you can't lose half a million dollars doing an exercise routine in the morning, right? Yeah, but it's a progress thing. You know, people want to, if you want to be in the share market, why should there be barriers to entry? Why shouldn't everyone be allowed to make their mark in it? And for me, it's, you know, if that's a way that a person wants to invest their money and learn, and who knows what $3 million is to him versus it is to someone else. Yeah, I just think it's an understanding of a risk thing that I'm that I'm kind of getting at is I feel like there's a lot of people that are in at the moment that, are, that don't necessarily really understand what risks they're taking. Yeah, well, I mean, then, the first thing you need to do is, you know, risk management is actually what investing is about. Yeah. You know, you, you're here you to invest or trade or whatever your strategy is. As long as you have a risk management tool, you'll be okay. Mm. Uh, or a risk management process. I didn't really follow what Dave Portnay was doing. I assume that half a million dollars is probably a good investment for him in terms of just his profile and the oh, following. Oh, he's gone up and down. I think he's actually up at the so moment. So he was... It was $3 million in. At at the bottom, he had lost 1.8. And then I think the max he's been up is one. And I think right now he's up like half a million. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) thing for me though is it has shown me how little sense of humor the financial media industry has. Like half of the stuff he's doing is taking the piss and like having fun with it. He's calling out Warren Buffett, criticizing him for selling airlines at the bottom, all this stuff. And like CNBC and stuff, take him so seriously and he's obviously day trading and he's made money and all of that but he's taking the piss a lot of the time and they just don't have a sense of humor no i think there's also a movement away from traditional media 
in a sense, and when it comes to investing, you know, there's the whole subculture around investing. You're seeing even on, you know, Wolf of Wall Street in the movies, the big short, billions, obviously, here on Stan in Australia. You know, people want to be in the game. Mm. They, they want to, you know, they, I think investing is what your grandfather did yeah. in a way and trading is a lifestyle choice. And, you know, I've, all, I've always personally loved the markets because it's so dynamic and you get to be in that Coliseum every day and you get to test yourself. And a lot of other people want that experience. And obviously your goal is to make money and to build long-term wealth. And, and that's been the case of the share market for hundreds of years. And if your first entry point is through Dave Portnay and then you over time develop your craft, that's a great thing. Mm. It's more entertaining to watch uh, Portnoy live than it would be Buffett live eight hours a day. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Reading his newspaper. Reading 500 pages, <laughs> counting where he's up to. That's 333 yeah. pages. He's yeah. always there. Can you see him giving high fives? <laughs> yeah, there's a solid billion dollars with airlines. Uh, the interesting thing for me... Well, one, Dave Portnoy's bread and butter was Barstool Sports, and they do other stuff now, like culture and all of that as well. But he's done very well to pivot his focus away from sports as sports stopped into the market. So from a business perspective, he's done very well and full credit to him. And it feels like he's either led or he's, you know, he's a symbol of everyone who loved sports gambling and when sports stopped, moved very quickly to the market. It's going to be interesting to see... If they stick around with stocks or they uh, they go back to, to gambling again. Have you guys been following points bet here in Australia? From a stock, pr- stock yeah, price? No. Yeah, so traded it oh, maybe sometime last year, I remember. It listed and then it went up to like nine bucks or something. You've probably got it in front of you there. Yeah. Um, then it dropped during this period, I think, into like even into the ones maybe, or like low twos, and it's back up at seven bucks. And it's literally aggressive, high growth. Aussie listed sports betting company that's going and now the US is sort of opening up. So I don't have an opinion on what's going to happen, but I think the market suggests that what you're saying is right because they've put their money, the, the share price of points bet has come back very aggressively. Mm. Um, so, and you can't argue with the market. So, mm. no, no. And when you try, you normally lose money. <laughs> so, speaking of stocks, let's jump into what has been traded by Aussies over in the US. I'm interested to to kick off this individual stock discussion. I'm interested to ask Matt, what stock has most caught your attention or most surprised you during this period? And that's a question without notice. So take <laughs> yeah. a second. I'll I'll do some filler while you're thinking about it. Oh, jeez. I mean, <laughs> filler. What's your filler going to be? That was it. <laughs> I, I could, I'd have to say hurts because I'm yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just out of control. But it seems like such a cliched answer. No, nah, it's I a feel good disappointing yeah, to yeah. give you that one. All right. Well, can for, you, co- for context, yeah can, yeah. can you tell us the story of what happened? Yeah. So hurts is. I wouldn't say hurts has been the most high-performing stock for the last few years. But, you know, it obviously hit a point where it filed for bankruptcy and was, it was essentially a penny stock. It was trading well below a dollar. And then I think that's Chapter 11 in the US, bankruptcy, and then it ended up raising a billion dollars of equity, right? Or Nah, the no? SEC blocked them. Okay, cool. Well, you yeah. probably know more. I follow the share price and the craziness and selling in the market. <laughs> I'll defer to you for the, uh, yeah, the yeah. actual no, governance. No, no, you're, you're right. They wanted to because at one stage, their share price was up 800 and something percent from their low and it dropped a little bit. But 
they were like, well, if you guys are going to bid our stock up so much, we're going to try and raise capital amongst this and save the business. And I don't know if that's been done before. Like company has found its way out of bankruptcy by raising capital from investors. <laughs> but yeah, I think the SEC blocked them. Well, speaking before, I can understand the investor trader mindset towards buying a stock like that. You know, you're essentially rock bottom. And, you know, if this thing does recover, then Hertz is a known brand and you may get multiple of you, mm. you know, so it's, it, it nearly represents an option. Mm. where you're getting exponential asymmetric payoffs for a um, basically for pennies, literally. Yeah. So it dropped from $20.25 on the 21st of Feb and fell to about $16. Then it went rock bottom down to $0.80. Cents. <laughs> and then, Ren, to your point, had a rally of just under 600%. And now it's back down to $1.80. So it's been absolutely hammered and it's been bought out, hasn't it? I don't know if it's been bought out. No, no, dude, its rally was 890%. Wow. From the 26th of May to the mm. 8th of June. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. And that was all Robinhood investors with less than $1,000 <laughs> in their account, according to the media. Yeah, yeah, somehow, yeah, it's got to be some institutional flow. And, you know, ultimately... Hertz is, you know, it's a company that's been around well beyond our time. Massive, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think 130 years old or something like that. Yeah. There's still got to be a use case for their position in the market, their brand. You know, whether as we're speaking, whether it be like a Tesla wants to put it there or there's been a big movement towards like high-level rentals. You know, in the UK, there's a company that rents out, you know, Mercedes for like weekends or months so you don't have to buy one. Instead of even leasing it, you just rent it. So... I think someone's seeing something that, you know, maybe the market wasn't at the time. Mm. Speaking of Tesla, it has been the most bought stock uh, sold. since the bottom and sold since the bottom of, of the market. And that's not surprising. No. Seems to be a stock that is always uh, on the trade or watch list. But it has had incredible performance. A low of $430 in March and is now just trading above a thousand bucks. And I think because of that, the valuation of the company is such that Elon now gets to trigger one of his many, I guess, performance options. And I think, you know, he's entitled to a few hundred million dollars because of it. So it's been an incredible journey for an, a Tesla investor. It's crazy. It is, that's radical, that share. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I th everything about it's radical. Yeah. You know, from what they're doing is radical to the sentiment between the longs and the bears, the shorts, you know, that's radical. The treatment of Musk in the media is radical. It's, and then the trading on stakes pretty radical too. Yeah. It's, um, you know, this is what's amazing about the market. It's one of those stocks that we constantly for the last four years have been talking about and how, you know, not that we think it's going to fall, but continuously argue that there's reasons that it should be much lower than it is. And I reckon in a year's time, we'll be here talking and it'll be 2500 bucks. It's just going to keep the, going. The range of outcomes is larger than in any other stock. Either Musk is in jail in a year or he's the first trillionaire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd run a like a once a week chat on video and you know we had a guest on who really understood and actually told you know spoke about the story of actual Tesla as a business like you don't actually get to hear you know where the economics are going to come from where the growth's going to come from what their computer systems what their data sets going to be worth it was really interesting to uncover and it really was a deep dive and you know, you only hear really like, you only hear why people hate Musk. Super, yeah. You know, yeah. they're either like bullish on Musk because he's like, you know, amazing and this thing's changing the world, which is obviously, it's doing an amazing job. But then there's the haters that like, this guy's a fraud and like the numbers don't make sense, the economics don't make sense. But no one actually tells the story of Tesla. And it was really interesting to hear that 
you know, the, the, the way it was described to me is this, is this business has got moats everywhere. From a data point of view, from trying to replicate it in the market from the speed at which, you know, existing car companies can move. You know, Porsche just released a, like a premium, you know, prestige electric vehicle yeah. at like 250000 Aussie dollars. Yeah. It's like how's, how's every man going to, you know, a woman going to be able to buy it where they'll just know Tesla is a trustworthy electric brand. So it was really interesting to hear that. Mm. So after that conversation... Are you a, a buy, hold, or sell on Tesla? Well, I, I moved it from four hundred to a um, thousand. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, you know, it's just the momentum's on up, so I'm I'm more bullish and bearish. You know, ultimately, you know, it didn't change it. I'm not going to go jump in and just buy the stock. But look, this thing keeps beating like everything away, so mm. it's pretty impressive. Mm. I feel like Elon's one of those guys where every moment of controversy is then punctuated by like an unbelievable historical success like you know he does his 420 funding secured tweet and then you know like tesla goes really well or you know he calls his child a name that i can't even pronounce ash something yeah (laughs) and then they send that spacex send people to space he's just he's such a dichotomy of a person yeah Yeah. he's an enigma i love it (laughs) i don't invest in tesla i i would like to invest in spacex but I'm pretty confident that won't go public, at least for a while. But yeah, he's important to the human race, I guess. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can go by Virgin Galactic's yeah. space company. Yes. Doesn't, doesn't excite me as much. No. So the ticker Richard for... Branson's not your... Nah, I just think like the things that Musk has done, you know, like reusable rockets is something that we sort of have brushed over as a society. But it's massive. that is so transformational and, you know... No one else did it. And I was actually having this discussion with my housemate. Like, if Elon wasn't around, would we have reusable rockets in 2020? And I think the answers are resounding no. Mm. And that alone is, you know, like, it's incredible for what what it will mean for space travel. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's what's, you know, I think people get lost about the share market and they look at it as like a place to make money. But it's actually a place for companies to go get capital to move the world forward. Mm. And that's why it's so vital that it keeps operating in times like this. You know, I heard about... Exchanges in Europe wanted to close down and stop trading and that, and then st- bar short selling. If you do that, you're actually creating more issues down yeah. the line. Yeah. You need liquidity in the market. You need places to go get capital when shit is bad mm-hmm. to go, be able to go and raise money, to mm-hmm. go keep people working, to keep innovation happening. You know, the market needs to be there to look after the economy and drive it forward. And where the markets are most robust is in first world countries. And as you see development globally, you're going to see more access to capital and these third world countries will start to flourish as well as we can get capital there. So, you know, the Tesla story is part and parcel of that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. The Europeans shouldn't ban short selling. They should just do what the Americans do, punch multiple trillions of dollars into the market and just <laughs> blow the short sellers out. <laughs> they don't have it. <laughs> I mean, you see Greece has opened its borders. So, yeah. I mean, like they're, they're trying to, really to get things going. Yeah, and they don't have yeah. the, you know, they've done it. They've had rates below zero for Eight. years now. Like mm. it's just a real tough situation. Yeah. While we're talking electric cars, there was another electric truck company mm, that... Nicola. That got a lot of headlines. Yeah, Nikola. Um, I, I think they've doubled in price or more than doubled in price from there uh, when they listed. Have you seen much action on that stock in stake? Buying, selling, you know, like what's the sentiment been around that? Yeah, really, really positive sentiment. It was one that our community really pushed for as soon as it listed. That's amazing. It's like, whew. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In three months, it's up 530%. Mm. It's an amazing story and it's... You know, it's just quite. Like, you know, if you can, if you can be one of the leaders, it, there's even niches within electric cars yeah, now. Yeah. So you know, they've done a great job. There's Neo in China as well that sort of sits in the yeah. same sort of space in the car space, like the Chinese Tesla. This is a buy for me, but this is no investment advice. But yeah. I, no, no. Like you think about where Tesla's gone, if this can replicate that, like this is at its infancy. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And so. I don't really know much about Nikola. Do they specialize in trucks? Yeah, electric trucks. Yeah, yeah. right. Isn't Tesla about to release their semi-automated semi-trailer or automated semi-trailer? Yes, they've got one in the works, but I don't know if it's in the works like the Cybertruck's in the works. Like they do promotion around it and who knows when it will actually <laughs> yeah. come into being. The Cybertruck's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, you know, you think about automotives and you've got cars, then you've got vans, and then you've got, you know, big machinery there's so many different categories to it, and mm. Tesla may own them all. I doubt that. You haven't seen that. You know, Mercedes in, does trucks and buses, and then you've got millions of car companies. You've got Caterpillar that does machinery. So, you know, Nikola's probably looking at that niche outside of, you know, household and consumer cars and yeah. more in the sort of commercial trucking space. So, you know, I think like they're doing it the right way. They're like, we're going to own a niche within this space and we're going to be the first mover and there's going to be no one else that can take that. So that's, that's for me, what's so interesting. It's funny because... Look, I don't know much about electric trucks. It would be a strange niche if I really did. But what I've heard is that the amount of power and stuff that's needed, it doesn't really make sense to create electric trucks. I think like the size of the batteries and the amount of power it needs, it doesn't really work. And hydrogen fuel cells work a lot better for long haul large trucks. But obviously the market is seeing something in Nikola that is disproving mm. that and they're saying something they like. Speaking of truck technology, self, <laughs> self, self-driving, you've read the Uber book, Super Pumped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, a guy and called Anthony Lewandowski. He was a former Google engineer and he was one of the big, I guess, pioneers of the self-driving tech for Google, for Waymo. For Waymo, yeah. Yeah, and he left and then went and started his own self-driving truck company, which was suspiciously quickly bought by Uber <laughs> for about $700 million, but he's just been ordered to pay Google $180 million wow. from personal. Yeah. Still a payout. <laughs> 520 Yeah, true. Net. Yeah, yeah, yeah unless me own it all. True. Yeah, huge. So he's filed for bankruptcy. But anyway. Um. <laughs> Clearly he didn't take 180 in the fire. So what else drew your attention, Matt, or is not surprising? I'm looking at some of them here. From from the bottom of the market, the most bought stocks mm. are things like Tesla, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon. You know, stocks that are pretty standard in the big hitters. Yeah. Then you've got Disney. Mm, BA was interesting. BA Boeing. Being Boeing, yeah. Yeah, so... Look, it's just a household name that got destroyed literally yeah. during the mm. during the um, the move, and it's not a pun, but a bit of a flight to safety. 
No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, so that one, that one surprised me because you know you saw, you know, as I said, Warren Buffett selling out. You know, and obviously airlines is taking an absolute battering. So yeah, I don't know. That was really interesting. I mean, the the flight to safety of the Teslas, the Microsofts. Yeah. Like, it's amazing to consider those safe stocks. But it's, <laughs> it's crazy to me that Tesla is considered a safe stock at this point. It's just a growth stock. It's a right? growth stock. Yeah. yeah, it's a growth large cap stock. <laughs> if that's even it's, possible, it's the twenty twenty blue chip stock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, they weren't wrong. So who are we? Yeah, to, you know. Yeah. So, but it was also the most sold. So it's you know such a heavily traded stock. Yeah, yeah. What was sad to see on that number was GoPro being the most sold, given we give it away when you open an account. Yes. Was one of the Isn't three stocks. Isn't that why you're giving it away? Because so many people on stake are selling it. You're just trying to get it out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. A that it's up 40%, I think, you know, like over that period. I remember someone said, oh, I got my friend to sign up and now they're over 40% on GoPro. And like, they didn't even pay for it. They're up more than 40%. <laughs> <laughs> they're like unlimited. Up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Infinite. So, no, that's interesting. The, the ETF space is really intriguing. Yeah, I was just about to talk about that. So, oh, I'll leave it to you then. No, far away. No, no, we're here to hear from you, Matt. We hear, <laughs> we hear enough from Bryce every other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the big one is the... Sorry. The big one is the VIX, Matt. Now, mm. it's a stock that you... Oh, I'd love to be able to get the message up and show everyone, but you messaged, messaged Alec and I, I think, early in the piece when COVID was hitting and you said, are you trading the VIX? And we were like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not trading the VIX. And then, and then it just went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Do you want to explain what the VIX is? I was just going to get Matt oh, to, okay. exa- yeah. to do exactly that. So the VIX is actually the CBOE, the Chicago Options the Board of Options, Options Board Exchange Volatility Index. And it measures, it's quite complex, but it's essentially the fear index. It measures volatility in the market and the perceived fear or the movement in the market. And it's actually, technically, it measures a strip of options over the S&P complex. So the S&P options, it gets like, it's very, very, very derivative. You might need to explain your explanation. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. <laughs> it's, let's just call it, the, keep calling it the VIX, the, yeah. fear, the fear index. So it just fear measures index. people's perception of future market movement. So when the shit hits the fan, the VIX generally goes up. And so what happened was the... You know, the pandemic started and you started and you started to see the VIX climb. And then as soon as, I think it's actually when the US lowered rates, when the Fed lowered rates, people would be like, this is actually serious. And then it just went. So it had the reverse impact. And then as soon as the market started falling, people rushed to buy, you know, exposure over the volatility. So if things start to go down, they get an exponential payoff. So the VIX normally trades between a level of like 10 and 20 historically, 20 being like on the high if it's a band, 10 being, you know, it's peace. You're not talking dollars, you're talking No, as a level, it's, it's an index level. Yep. So the, um, and I think it got somewhere, you know, I don't know what to get, to get 80 maybe or something. Well, I'm looking at the stock price and say from the start of March, the the VIX, it was tra- TVIX is the stock ticker, TVIX. It was trading on the NASDAQ at um, $119. And then over the period of the market crash, it went up about 560% to just shy of 700 bucks. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, it's one of those ones. It's one of those stocks, Matt, that you've really got to pay attention to because it hit the high and then equally fell just as fast and is now back to kind of where we are. So I guess from your point of view, when you're trading something like this, how do you think about it? Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's not a buy and hold. That's uh, sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. 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 No, there's a very firm warning on these instruments to make sure you realise that they're not for long-term investing. Um, we actually put a warning on 
on yeah. stake just oh, really? to make sure you're aware of. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah no, it's... Um... You should put that on Tesla as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't sell this stock. <laughs> and, and Berkshire warning yeah. could be boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't look at the T-VIX per se. I think it's a, probably wrong to look at this. The VIX is derivative enough. And TVIX yeah. is another derivative of that. The VIX index is what you want to be looking at. TVIX is, you know, it's like a leveraged version of the VIX and it resets on a daily basis. So it measures the daily return. So, yeah, I'm just looking at the VIX, the actual index in it. Yeah, it was, it hit 83 or just under 83 on March 16. Like that is just, I think that's higher than anything in the GFC. Wow. From memory. So that, you know, it's a rule of thumb of around 16. So 16 represents a one day perceived move. Right, so at 80, it's assuming at least 5% a day of volatility for the entire period of those futures. Like the, it's, it's really complicated, but if you measure the VIX at 16, it means that the, applied, the market will generally move on average around 1%. I'm not going to pretend I understand that. I'm just going to assume that if it's high, shit's hitting the fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's gone from 80 to 30 now. Um, so we're all good. It's still elevated. <laughs> but it's still, it's above. It's still yeah. elevated, yeah. right? Yeah. It feels like people don't feel like we're out of the woods. Yeah. But it's, it's like, well, the Fed will come to our rescue, so it's not at 80. Yeah, not to go back to the Fed, but that, I think, is the biggest risk in the market. Forget coronavirus, forget Trump, the moral hazard that has been created for businesses to just do dumb things and think the Fed's going to bail me <laughs> out. Like, Boeing, terribly run business for the last year, needed support, you know, the Fed stepped in and they, they got what they needed. And if, you know, they, they would have thrown money at them, like... It just feels like that's the biggest thing. Like, why would you be a responsible CEO these yeah. days? Just <laughs> buy back your shares, get as much yeah. debt as possible when times are good, buy yeah. as much back, get a massive bonus. Yeah. If things go wrong, the Fed will step in. <laughs> I think you're in the wrong job. <laughs> you got a plan. Uh, S&P 500 companies, if you're listening, <laughs> I am available. <laughs> I will run the gauntlet. <laughs> At some point, it's going to break. At some point, you know, there will be someone who isn't as forgiving or the US will be embroiled in a trade war with China and they need to protect their currency and they can't just print. It can't go on forever. Mm. Or Bryce will finally win the argument and Bitcoin will be the currency of choice and they won't have the ability to print. Like, you know, something will, something's got to give at some point. Speaking of currency, a couple of currency ETFs to hit stake platform anyway. So there's the AUD ETF, if you want to track the price of the AUD, the Great Britain Pound, obviously, the Canadian dollar, Swiss franc and the yen. Out of all of those currencies, uh, question for both of you, which one would you be backing in? Hold on, say it again. AUD. The pound, the Canadian dollar, the Swiss franc or the yen. What are you backing in? If you're going long, I, longer currency. I'm going to go out of coronavirus. There's going to be massive infrastructure bills in a lot of countries, yep. in particular in China. Like the, there's no better way to stimulate the... Yeah, same with America. One trillion infrastructure yeah, bill. Yeah, yeah. And I think Australia, you know, like with our exports to China, commodity exports to China, there might be a spike in demand. Potentially oil does a massive turnaround and Canada does well, but probably not. There's enough in storage to last a lifetime, it sounds like. <laughs> I need an answer. I'm going to say that I'm going to I'm going to stay true blue. I'm going to say yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you have an answer, Mark? Well, can I uh, plead the fifth? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't uh, I don't get the currencies either. The, the world has just been turned upside down in more ways than one. So I mean, if I'll there's see. anything you're going to go short, it would be the US dollar. You would think. You know, at this level now, they do need a weaker dollar. Right, if they're going to start, you know, pushing yeah, production. Yeah, well, they're, out. they're doing the right thing to get one. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, who knows? Yeah, as I said, hmm. I'm going with my constitutional right. Fair call, fair call. <laughs> Trump on Twitter this morning threatened a complete decoupling with China. And if they actually just cut ties completely, who's going to be buying all of the US's debt other than the Fed? And then it's like, well, then the US is in real trouble. You know, obviously the news in Australia today as well, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon. Like the world's been just, as I said, it's been turned upside down. So, you know, if current, you can see, you'll see massive swings in currency still. You'll see, I don't know if there's a trend that's been there. The Aussie dollar's obviously gone, it touched 55, I think. Yeah. And now it's just touched 70 and yeah. now it's a little bit below 70. It's like 69. Yeah, yeah I just, yeah, this is, this is beyond my it's pay moving grade. moving around a fit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my approach with currencies, and I'm interested to hear yours, obviously you, you trade and so you're a little bit more short term, so potentially currency fluctuations are more important, but I'm sort of like, it'll even out over time. As long as I'm not buying at a massive high or a massive low, I don't think about it too much. Yeah, no, I'm the same as you. I, d- I definitely think that there are certain times you need to be careful with currencies, like whether the dollar and the Aussie dollar were a parity. Mm. was a really, I think, an amazing opportunity. You're seeing newspapers write that it's going to $1.50 and you know it's going the other way. Mm. And I was in the US in 2001 for university and it hit 48. You know, that was around September 11. I don't know if that was a factor. It was always in, in the like in the 50s at the time. But there are certain levels in which you know you can get very comfortable to get long mm. the Aussie and to get short the Aussie as an Australian. But I'm much the same as you. It's like I'm in between. It's just I want to have a little bit of broad exposure so I'll keep some USD and... A lot of obviously earnings and net worths in Aussie dollars. So you just got to try to find that balance. But there are certain levels in which you want to participate, I think. Yeah. So just to kind of round out this conversation, we've. I've got two more questions. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine, Ren. We'll leave them for next week. Um, (laughs) So to start rounding out the conversation, there are a few new ETFs Mm. platform, Matt. One caught my attention, and I'm not sure if it's just unfortunately timed, but it's called the US Global Jets mm-hmm. ETF. It's access to the global airline industry. Now, you could see that as an opportunity. Buy a lot low, of, sell high. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot yeah, of yeah. people, um, a lot of listeners in the community, you know, have been looking at Qantas and the like. And yeah, Webjet. Webjet. Yeah, flight um, Center. Obviously, though, on the flip side, Buffett's come out and sold all of his stake in airlines. So. Yeah, but David Portnoy bought it, so... <laughs> Fair call. So an interesting ETF, but if you are looking to get exposure to the global airline industry, this is a new one that sort of piqued my interest. Yeah, I can talk about that one. Yeah, what yeah. are your thoughts? I mean, this is actually a request from our community. Oh, really? Yeah, so we, we often get requests for stocks or thematic investments through ETFs, and we're really supportive. You know, the whole thing is accessing the opportunities that you believe in or you want to invest in. So I love the fact that people are reaching out and asking for it. Yeah, so this one's really interesting. Obviously, it's it's a broad way to get exposure to the airline industry. Mm. And obviously, with things as bad as they are, could they get any worse? Who knows? And I think the play here from you know those people that wanted to invest in it was, wow, with one ETF, we can get full coverage over the whole industry. Mm, mm. So, you know, it's a little sort of, you know, buy when others are fearful sort of situation again. And, mm. you know, from a thesis point of view, that that's probably what they were thinking. Mm. That thesis was exactly Buffett's thesis. He took the four biggest airlines in the States that had all been consolidating over the last however many decades and said, I don't want to make a bet on any airline. I think the number of people flying is going to increase and the, the industry as a whole will do well. But I guess 
the amount of money he's playing with, he can't just put it in an ETF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he had to buy 10% of all the big four airlines. But for us plebs who don't have $130 billion in cash, we can just do that with one trade through an ETF like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that, that's what's amazing about the US. I think we've got 700-odd ETFs on stake. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, it surprises me every day well, not every day. That's a lie. I'm, I'm not yeah. being Literally surprised Literally the first thing he thinks when he wakes up. <laughs> just how many ETFs are becoming available at the moment. And, you know, I did some digging around just what is available in Australia alone and it blew my mind how many ETFs are out there trading on the market. So I, I think it's a great thing. And, yeah, on the platform there's so much opportunity. Mm. You can almost just think of an industry and you could get access to it in an easy sort of sort of trade. Yeah, well, the, the whole space has, you know, really shifted from, you know, financial advisor managing your money and putting it into 10 stocks. Mm. Whereas now you don't, you could literally DIY. And, that, and yeah. that to me is what's so exciting about what's happened with, you know, you know, obviously there's stake, but there's so many other digital brokers and there's even historical online trading platforms that just allow you to manage your own money and just... I think your listeners, I'm guessing, I'm hoping, are probably smarter than their advisor. So they would probably want to do it themselves. And, and mm. these are the sort of products that allow you to do it. So, mm. yeah, I believe airlines are too cheap and they're always going to, we're always going to be flying around the world. So this is a really quick, easy way for me to do it. I don't need someone else to go and pay five or six times brokerage in and out and mm. work out which stocks I can just do it in one foul swoop. Speaking of there will always be more people flying, I've got a bet with a mate. He doesn't think that the number of people flying will ever reach pre-COVID high. I'm interested to get your thoughts on that. I don't. I disagree. You think it will top it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I just population think, growth. Yeah, well, that was my argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if we do find a vaccine or a, you know, like a treatment, like the sentiment shifts significantly. And people probably want to travel. Mm. They want yeah. to see the world. There will obviously be that local element of traveling and seeing, you know, where you are and spending more time closer to home. But, you know, that will only last for a certain time. I can understand the argument around perhaps business businesses not necessarily wanting to send as many people on travel trips right now and maybe over the next three, five years as they've realized that you can probably do a lot more virtually. But at the end of the day, it's eventually going to turn around. When things are good, people are like, I'm going to go. I think... I think- we have like humanity has a massive like habit of mean reverting and like mm. we forget you know this period and we just go back to normal yeah. and it'll happen yeah. like people want to travel businesses want to do face-to-face -face meetings it, it'll just happen and you think with the airlines if one or two you know obviously we've seen in australia with virgin in, in trouble if you're a strong airline you're in such a strong position mm. in terms of you know picking up you know, safety, even like, you know, I've got virgin frequent fly points and I was like, right. well, yeah. what's the story with these, <laughs> right? You know, trust is, you know, they're, they're essentially a currency and you need to trust the, the backer behind it. Mm. So, you know, a strong brand and airlines that's, you know, enduring will always be in a strong position, I think. The whole Virgin Australia conversation is interesting because what there's, Bain is one of the potential buyers and then there's another one, but Either way, it sounds like we're going to keep our frequent flyer points, which is... Which the, is yeah, the question is, what, what do we get for them? <laughs> yeah, it's like one flight may have cost you 25,000 points and now it costs you 55,000 mm. points. So I think they've been devalued. We just haven't been able to use them yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said I've got two more questions. I'm noting the time. Did, did you have anything else, Bryce? No, I'm happy for you to round it out, Ren. All right. So the first one is looking at this stake data since the March 23 bottom... Three of the top four most bought companies are big US tech stocks. We got Microsoft as second most bought, Apple as third most bought, and Amazon as fourth most bought. 
And at the start of the year, I made a bold prediction, which I was not too confident about, but despite COVID, it feels like it could be coming into fruition. In 2019, we saw the first $1 trillion company, and I made the prediction that we would see a $2 trillion company by the end of 2020. The scorecard as of today is Apple is $1.52 trillion, Amazon at $1.32 trillion, Microsoft at $1.49 trillion, and then Alphabet rounding out the four at $980 billion. Soft. So here's my question for both of you. If you had to put money on one of those four hitting $2 trillion, who do you reckon would get there first? Apple. Apple? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's the closest to it, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a safest bet. My, Microsoft is 1.49, though. It's it's pretty close behind. It just doesn't have that growth in it, I don't think. You know, Apple's just got a brand and a sexiness and it could do something unique and it could go into a different sphere that could really... You know, that's still a 33% move you need in mm. in 2020 to get there. Anything's possible. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything is possible. It's but... going to happen by August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Apple as well. I think Apple, yeah. I just... I think... They were the first. No, Amazon was the... F- Apple was the first trillion. trillion yeah. I'm backing them in for the second. All right. Well, do you want to put a beer on it? You take Apple, I'll take the field. Sure. Done. Does that include <laughs> Apple, the field, or the... Just the, the others? The, I'll take everyone else. Yeah, okay, Bryce can have it. Apple. Yeah. But if I get it, you get you give me a case. No, no, no. One, one beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then my last question, do you remember in 2019 how we're talking about the yield curve inverting? Mm. It feels like a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) But for people who are unfamiliar, when the three-year bond and the 10-year bond, uh, the US Treasury bonds invert, so the yield on the three-year is higher than the 10-year. That's that's right, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Historically, that's been a recession indicator. And normally what happens is in the next one or two years, a recession happens. My last question is, do you think the yield curve inversion caused the coronavirus recession? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> or do you think it just got very lucky that this came out of nowhere and we well, saw a recession? Well, what I want to know is, statistically, does this count towards the argument? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it inverted, and we've now subsequently had a recession. But when you look at the the numbers, do they put an asterisk next to it to go the recession was coronavirus? <laughs> it's like the AFL Premiership. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was t- I was talking about this. Oh, with this Alec, is a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we can finish on this because um, it's not a fo- it's not a football podcast. Yeah. But my feeling is that whoever wins this year is going to be hard done by. It's not. It's not real. It needs an asterisk next to it. Same with the Brownlow, unfortunately. And I pray to God it's not going to be Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. confident oh, yeah. it won't be Essendon. <laughs> we didn't always have a 23-round season. It always changes. We didn't always have 25-minute quarters. A premier is a premier. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Matt? Big Eagles fan. Yeah, he's got to come back this week. Yeah. <laughs> Every week, one week at a time, right? Yeah. So we'll see. Well, thanks for joining us today, Matt. As always, it's a pleasure to chat to you, get an understanding of what's going on over in the States. Now, we do owe you a bit of a plug. You do have a a new offer going for guys signing up to Stake, Mm -hmm. which is, you kind of mentioned it there, which is the free stocks. So to close it out, do you want to give us a bit of a wrap on on that and then we can leave it there? Yeah, so obviously, you know, Stake's a US brokerage and we're about giving people access to the opportunities in the US market. So when you... Sign up to stake and fund your account within 24 hours of it being ready. We give you a free stock of GoPro, Dropbox or Nike. Really straightforward. Sign up. It should take five minutes. You know, fund your account if you like what we're doing. Get into the market and we help you along the way. 
Nice. Use Equity Mates as your referral code to do so. But it's a, a pretty good offer if uh, you're just starting out and get thrown Nike, GoPro, or Dropbox as a, a nice welcome gift. Pretty rare for something like that to happen. So sign up for all. Sign up for three accounts. And find it all free. <laughs> uh, use on. your parents' name. <laughs> use your dog name. <laughs> Nice. Well, as we said, Matt, I appreciate your time. Always good to chat and we look forward to catching up again. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. 